Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Gavin Emmett, and this is the BT Sport MotoGP podcast. Today, I'm joined in the booth by Keith Ewan and Julian Ryder here at Jerez ahead of round three of the championship. So, Keith, Jules, the worst-kept secret in the MotoGP paddock is out. Finally being confirmed that Jorge Lorenzo will be riding for Ducati in 2017. So, from uh, your boy's point of view, what do we know about this deal? How has it all come together? Well, it's no less exciting, is it, even though we all knew about it? The fact is, is that from my point of view, he'd have been a fool and he'd have been disappointed if he hadn't made the move. It's, it's time, it's appropriate. He's going to be happy at Ducati. Ducati are going to be happy with him. Plus the fact, of course, if it doesn't come off for him, he can blame Ducati. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the risk for the men in red. That you've won with Casey. You haven't with Valentino. And let's say they win with Lorenzo. It looks like the rider, not the bike, doesn't it, all of a sudden? It's a high-risk strategy. It is. But uh, Gigi Delenia, who we all have huge respect for here, and really has been... Not the saviour of Ducati, like some would say. I mean, he's brought all the loose ends together at Ducati and made yes. it actually work. I think is more the, the appropriate way I to deal with him. dead right. But he said he and the Ducati management, the hierarchy, didn't want an excuse for them not to do well in 2017. I think that's a very, very significant phrase. That sounds so like something Domenicali would say in a 3am phone call. It's not harsh on the current riders then, is it? But they, they were quite clear. They wanted one of the top riders, listen, the ones who have listen, won championships in MotoGP. Let's be frank about this. Ducati management don't give a flying whoopsie <laughs> <laughs> who the second rider is next year. Well, neither does Lorenzo, if uh, if everyone's to be believed, because already Giabatti's on record as saying that Jorge doesn't have a preference to who it is. You run what you've rung. Uh, I mean, my preference would be instantly Ian One, I've got to say, because he's on the up curve, despite the fact he's blotted his copybook a bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but just, just a Dobby, little bit with the Well, Dobby's the, Dobby's the level. He's the level. He's the guy that has reached a fantastic level and he stayed consistent at that level. He could have had three second places at the start of this season already, well, but for other, other riders' transgressions. He yeah. had them last year, but he didn't do anything with them from that point on. So let's see. This is where it went well, this wrong, is This is going to be my question now because Jorge Lorenzo, second in the championship, really crucial part of the year for him if he wants to go to Ducati as world champion. Jerez, Le Mans, Mugello, these upcoming races are ones that in the past have suited him and Yamaha. I'll tell you what. I bet he runs the number one plate if he does. <laughs> I bet I bet Ducati will be putting him under pressure to I run that's the number the one. contract. So, so the do you, uh, Keith, you said that it was a good move, that Lorenzo had to do it. Why? Because personally, there is—he's under a cloud, isn't he? Wherever he seems to go, 
Jorge Lorenzo, for a man with that amount of talent, doesn't matter which country you go to, he's not loved. He's not someone who's loved anywhere you go. Five-time world champion, two in 250s, three now in MotoGP. How incredible is my statement that I made before exactly. you ruled yeah. that you're completely, You're completely yeah. right. I, I mean, a double 250 championship would be enough to get you and me standing up when he enters a room. So well, me looking in the mirror, admiring myself. <laughs> <laughs> so did he feel unloved at Yamaha? Do you think, yes, Julian? Yes, yes, definitely. I, I think the trouble is that you saw Valencia last year. Didn't feel like a Yamaha celebration. It felt like a Yamaha wake. Then oh. the VR46 tie-up, machinery and T-shirts with Yamaha. You know, it, and lots of little things on top. Now, you can use that for motivation, can't you, for a while, but not forever. How was it ever going to be any different? Valentino Rossi is a formidable partner. For Valentino Rossi, do you remember that wonderful interview that was uh, Colin Edwards did with Valentino where uh, Valentino not only said it, um, he absolutely posed for it, where he came back to Yamaha with his tail between his legs to ask, please can I have my job back? He came back there as a number two. He's now got control again, despite not being the world champion last year. He's got control of Yamaha. There's no doubt in my mind about that. He's back with a bang. Lorenzo doesn't feel loved. He hasn't been massaged in the way Julian said. Is it a legacy thing then? He's going to do something perhaps that Rossi didn't manage at Ducati. Oh, he on. goes on to win on two different manufacturers perhaps. I reckon he's been going to be wearing very tight pants when he comes to uh, Jerez this weekend because of course Valentino said you're going to need you're going to need biggins if you're going to make that jump so I reckon he's going to be showing off the size of his sphericals all through the weekend just to prove he's definitely got it and at the end of the year he's going to be wanting to go with that number one plate I've just been talking to some Italian press to find out about that famous quote of Valentino's it was made before Valentino the Italian German said before he really believed that Jorge was going to make the jump. The and, it he... was a, and it was a throwaway. It wasn't a dig. Yeah, but the fact that he didn't believe it shows to us how much it means. I want to know from a yes. rider's point of view, though, Keith, money. How much has that played a part in this? I would suggest not a jot. No? No. I think that Jorge is still a sportsman that thinks he can win world championships. I think while you've still got your eye on that particular ball, when you're on the retirement mode or you've reached your plateau, perhaps you start casting around for the slightly more um, ludicrous and lucrative. That's the one. So so this is, uh, we're talking at someone at the top of their game, so how big is this for massive, the sport? Massive, massive, oh, massive. Can't do a, a rider at the top of his game moving manufacturers. Well, when Stoner did it, the Ducati wasn't working. When Rossi did it, it looked like he look, was a bit on the this slide. Is, this is Eddie Lawson leaving Yamaha to go to Honda. Yeah, it's the one thing that I think Mick Doohan five times a Honda world champion, never did, and I bet you, in his heart of hearts, he wish he had. I Could he have done it at the time? Was there another bike capable of oh. ever beating that Honda? Oh. With him on board, you think? Oh, yes. Yeah. And I happen to have been told by a good uh, authority that Kevin Schwantz, once a world champion on a Suzuki, was telling Jorge in Texas that it was a good move. And I believe Casey Stoner was also one of those... Uh, he's consulted about this they're good pals there's been there was a sky well there's the other point you've just touched on a yep. great point there not only will he feel loved at Ducati he's got Casey Stoner who he likes as well with him his teammates aren't going to be a threat I don't think and we'll wait and see where it goes from there I think Lorenzo is going to be treated right at Ducati so will that Ducati be a championship contender with him on board yes yes there we are. <laughs> I won't ask you about your reasonings for it, but it's clear to see that bike's there and he will always give himself a couple of tents on top of Davizioso, Unoni, whoever might be in that Casey's, seat. Jorge considers himself the equal of Casey and Casey's quicker than the Andreas. 
I touched on it before then. Um, that's 2017. We've still got 15 rounds to go of this year. So what about this season for, for Lorenzo? Has he faltered a little bit from that opening victory in Qatar? I'm going to find out this weekend because he's got such a great record here. Yamaha works here as well. It's this Last year was a brilliant year, tainted a bit by the end of it and all the politics that went with that as well. A lot of that down to Valentino and his hordes and hordes of tribalistic fans. But the point being, this year's a whole brand new year. You know, Valentino has a fantastic record around this racetrack as well. I mean, the, yeah. it, we, we could see, again, it, it's not... Everyone's talking about Jorge Lorenzo taking the number one plate to Ducati, but uh, hang on a second, his teammate's still fairly handy. And, we, of course, Mark has won here. <laughs> Danny's been on the podium every, every time, time he's raced yeah. here. We are in that wonderful run of great classic tracks. Jerez, Le Mans, Mugello, Assen, uh, Barcelona. And those tracks, they've got data for coming out their ear holes. They know what they're doing. All the riders know it. This is the run where we really find out what's going to happen. Just to put a bit of a dampener on that, of course, they've got data, but not with Michelin, not with this electronic system. And that is going to make a difference. And there was a test here at the end of last year on the, the bikes here at Jerez. Fastest rider in that test was a Ducati, but it was Scott Redding. It well, was Scott quick in that test. So Ducati goes well. Are we expecting a good weekend for Ducati here? Yes. Because it's not a track you'd think would suit them. Well, you know, and he's got the you know fastest time down the front straight. I mean, Jorge holds all the other records here, doesn't he, from last year. But uh, yeah, Ducati is a formidable motorbike. And you wonder how much now this is out the bag. Ducati's Italian. They run on passion. They just get that extra hundredth of a second from somewhere just on sheer being red and passionate. And looking good. Yeah. I mean, that paint scheme and everything's and worth eating a couple, well. couple of tens, isn't it? Definitely. And the electronics is basically what was in their satellite so team last year. Not looking at the to results. Get to the pragmatic approach. Not looking at the results, though. Um, has it been a good year so far for Ducati? If Dovizioso had stayed on two wheels. And both two of those haven't been his fault. Hang on a minute. We could answer this. No, it's not been. Right. Uh, I it think should have been, but it, it isn't. In that, I'm afraid I only deal in facts when it comes to racing motorbikes. It's, it's you know, like, unlucky, yeah. Unlucky, son. <laughs> sort your luck out. Uh, what about Andre Yanoni finally actually getting on the podium? That'll have put him some credit in the bank. The that phrase, was Austin, obviously. Yes, the phrase he used was dead right. The minimum requirement this weekend. You imagine what's going through his head. He, was, he suddenly was... The man on the up, the man who was definitely going to be signed over Dovi. He blotted his coffee book. He's had a bit of bad luck. He made a few daft moves. And the pressure he was under to do what he did in Texas without making a silly mistake was yes. huge. Mm. And I don't, you can't underestimate that for anybody, let alone someone like Ian One, whose real career was on the line. Yeah. So, so is there no number one at the moment in, in Ducati? No, Yanone, I'm led to understand was due to resign in Texas it would be announced a contract extension that was torn up in Argentina and his manager was told we'll talk to you and get this at Mugello I think that that probably comes down to a, a slap you know this this, this is a, a, a yellow card yes. um, yeah, I think probably the best kind of yellow card the fact that the, following the yellow card was like to be a P45 <laughs> So with all this talk about Jorge Lorenzo, second in the championship, and Ducati, slipping under the radar is the Honda that wasn't working too well. But Mar Marquez leads the world championship after two victories in a third place. And I think he's going to be really happy to be slipping under the radar, to focus on his own game and let his team focus on what they've got to focus on. I think while everyone else is talking about the big Ducati news and all the rest of it, Mark Marquez leads the championship. He's had a couple of wins. He's looking good. And you've got to say that I don't know what he did. 
Let me make an analogy, Jules. I'm looking across at you here. Paul Espargro, when he arrives at a weekend on the Tech 3 bike, he's all over the hockey. The bike's leaping about. He's jumping all over the place. He looks like he's going to crash it at any minute. By the time we get to FP3, he has smoothed it out. And it's... I've spoken to Hervé Poncherol around that, and he said that it's, it, we do nothing to the bike. It's just him sorting himself out. Now, I wonder whether we can translate that across to Mark Marquez. He's mm. so desperate to make the thing work that he's also making the Honda look worse than it actually is until we got to Austin where he started to sort himself out. Maybe. Well, maybe, just but a, I've never seen him so happy with third as he was in uh, Qatar on the opening race of the year. He was delighted with third place. And you mentioned to me earlier, Jules, about Cal Crutchlow and Danny Pedrosa, their comments about the Honda aren't shining a lot of uh, positive light on it. No, they, they, huh. they, they, they rode the thing for the first time, pulled straight back in the pits. It was vibrating. It was all sorts. What's wrong with this? Mark did six laps. They came in. Any vibration, Mark? Well, yeah, there's some, but... Tell you what, when Cal Crutchlow got on our plane on the way home from Austin, I thought about getting off for the kind of luck he's been having. <laughs> I thought, next thing is going to be a plane crash I wish as well. Next to him. Because no points already at, at this point in the season after three rounds. That's huge for a, a team like LCR Honda who run on week-to-week sponsorship. They have particular sponsors for each round. So how important is the result for Cal this week? He's going to be mentally strong here. I think he's had gout, which is, as he said, it's one of the most painful things he's ever had. Better, worse than a than a broken bone. So and I, you know, normally I always think of that would be a, a portly old gentleman. He needs part. to cut out the Stilton, doesn't yeah, he? And the port, yeah, and the port, and, and the cigars, and the yeah. pheasant. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and the butler. But uh, no, I mean, joking aside, he's had gout. He's had a, a run of bad luck. He had a, that electronics problem in Qatar, so on and so forth. It's been all the way through here. But fourth place last year. He knows what this place is like. He's, he's, he, he likes it here. So he, I can see a, a, a resurgent Cal Crutzo this weekend. Um, what about Scott Redding? As I mentioned uh, quickly before, he was fastest in the tests here. And we Scott got a good result last time out in Austin. Top Ducati. Oh, well, not Top Ducati, but Top, top Independent. Right, right. Top Independent yeah. now, as it is now known. Same yes. again, please. Yeah, Scott is riding really, really well. Yeah. But, I mean, that was always on the... You know, everyone thought that on the cards at the beginning. He thought it was on the cards. And I think in his own mind, that's, that's an important move last time out in Austin. How important is it for him, having had two tough years on the Honda, that we're Vital. finally seeing something? Vital. And he's a tough lad mentally and physically you know, as we know do you know what aside to all of that we know he's a, a pretty good motorcycle racer we know he's quite a tough kid but his maturity oh. his eloquence i mean i never thought i would say scott redding eloquent all in one sentence but have you seen of, his snapchat feed some no <laughs> some of his interviews that he did with us and, and other reporters last time out i thought were damned the, insightful the, the, the stuff he's done especially to colin edwards in the checkered flag program after racing's finished when he was just allowed to talk to another racer for five minutes was really insightful stuff really about the bike and about his own psychology still growing up and i think that bodes very well to answer your question what's scott redding going to do this year with the ducati i think we've still got more to see from scott redding and that's the exciting brit fact at the moment He's not going to put himself in the frame for that seat alongside Lorenzo, is he? You really don't know, do you? I mean, the thing is, I think a lot they of They promoted Yunoni up to that squad. Well, I'll tell you what, once the, once the music stopped, with, with they had all the chairs out in the paddock, didn't they? And there was one short. Uh, Lorenzo's now parked his bum on, on, on the Ducati seat. Everyone else seems to have put their final decisions a bit on hold at the moment. We're going to not see much move until June, July. I don't think summer break time again, traditionally. I, I think it's going to be, as you say, to more the usual script for these announcements. If Ducati aren't going to bother themselves with the decision until at least Mugello. 
It just shows how important these next couple of races are, oh, starting oh. with here in Spain as well. It's important for Bradley Smith um, just because he's broken that run of point scoring finishes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was a stat that I'm sure that you know everyone's proud of. But at the end of the day, he's going to be looking for forward motion in his career, yeah. not not so much that, that one particular stat. But I think Brad, Brad needs to not drop into the, the scenario I think that you can as a motorcycle racer. He's done his deal for next year. He's relaxed with his deal for next year. He's now got to concentrate on the job in hand. That is, on the Tech 3 machine, making it work for him. He's got to beat Pole's pants every time he goes out there. He must not finish second to his teammate. And his teammate is in the total reverse of last year. Mm. What, fourth overall? He Pole is fourth the in moment. the championship. He's started really well, as young as Spargaro. So Brad's got a tough call, really. I mean, he's done a deal for next year, which is fine. But, but personally, and for, for moving forward in his own mind to be the great MotoGP rider, rider that we all hope he can be, he needs to make it work this year. He's got to step up again. He's done it the last two years. Yeah. Now he's got to do it a third year. He's got to step up. Uh, talking of the British riders in Moto2, Sam Lowe's leading the championship. He hasn't won a race so far this year. Could this be the weekend? Well, he's come up against a perfect Rins and a perfect Zarco on different weekends. Yeah, but you just, yeah, absolute with the emphasis on different weekends. Exactly, That's the thing, Keith. isn't it? That's, I love the interview. Who did that one with him again? It, when I asked him, and he said, well, if it was, if it was the Sam Lowe's of last year, I'd have, I'd have tried to win and I'd crashed. Yeah. That was a, it might have been you, Gav, actually. Probably. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you're just brilliant. Well, you're just brilliant. <laughs> um, no, but, but you know, he was quickest in the tests here as well. He's bouncing. He's full of confidence. And a, a Sam Lowe's full of confidence and not crashing is a fast prospect for the others to come up against. I always think that we get a slightly false impression of Sam here at Jerez. Julian and I came out to a freezing cold test two years ago here and he looked stunning. He was so fast and that was on the on, old on the speed, speed up. up. Yeah, with the carbon fibre swing arm. without it, it. appeared to be no difference when he was at here. At that point, he's just, he goes so well here. Watch him in the last three rights at the back of the grandstand area before the final corner. Yeah, yeah. He is, he is He's awesome. on the throttle. He taps through the throttle the in. Corner, Ferrari corner, through there is pretty impressive. He, yeah. You mark my words. He taps that throttle in 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 motorbike racing terms, half an hour before everyone else. I've never seen anything quite like it. He's on the throttle and there's no traction control on a Moto2 bike. He's gonna. He really is a contender this year with that maturity and the fact that he's not had a rush of blood to the head when he's when he's been slightly off. And off he's the qualified top on the front row, I think, all three times. Yep. Yeah, he got away quite quick in one of them. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> Let's not go back to Qatar. I just want to have a quick mention on Danny Kent. Weekend to forget. You got to get all that one out of the system in Austin. Yeah, Danny Kent, again, he's on the up curve, isn't he? It's, it's unfortunate what happened in Austin. As long as he can put it behind him and not get tangled up worrying about whatever the feeling was in Austin and get on with this. Yeah, and, and we're at a track. As you mentioned earlier, Julian, that these guys know they've been riding. He's been riding since before he was in the World Championship. It, because he was at the Spanish Championship. Yeah. And yeah. unlike MotoGP, all of these bikes, all of these teams, all of the tyres are all completely suited, sorted. They've got the data and everything for them. So there's, there's, no, there's no other ingredient to aggravate that. Um, similar in Moto3 to, to Sam Lowe's being top of the pile without winning. Brad Binder leading things in Moto3, not having won a race, and that's got to be around the corner. It was <laughs> I mean, he was nearly there. He was nearly there again, yeah. <laughs> it was thir third last time out, though. Fanati and Navarro looked to be a step ahead. Was that, again, an anomaly? No, I no. don't think so. I think no. both of those guys are going to be right on it. In fact, Navarro's your top tip for the uh, year, isn't Navarro he? was what I said before the start of the season. Has he got it to bring it home? He hasn't won a race yet. That's the problem, but then again, it is Moto3. <laughs> it's one of those, like uh, a bit like Danny Kent last year. As soon yep. as he won his first, he knew more were going to come. Probably the same for Navarro and for Binder in particular. The thing that surprised me so far is the consistency of Fanati mm. actually qualifying well. 
Can't take and that. racing well. And with the, uh, how shall I put it, the incentive of the new Italian chosen one, young Bulliger, as his teammate. I think we might have a record for different winners this year. I think that's the record that I can only predict. I can't predict anything else. I think we're going to have a record that's of different winners. That's a good call. I like might have a record of different Italian winners as well, yeah. because you know you're going to have Bastianini up there at some point. Bulago, I'm sure, will have uh, Antonelli, of course. Uh, uh, Antonelli's had one. Donati's yeah. yep. had one. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it could well be uh, right on that one. Um, what about Jerez as a whole? This venue, this racetrack, it's the second longest now that's been on the calendar consistently, apart from Assen. A lot of tradition here. And a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say it. Obviously, there's so many Spaniards in the championship, but it is a big fiesta the whole weekend. Well, the great thing about it is that they haven't marmalised it like they have Assen. Yeah, exactly. Completely wrecked Assen and cut the, some of the best bits off of it, but this place is still as it should be. And this was built as a motorcycle track. I know Formula One also came here, but it's a motorcycle track. This is the Spanish Grand Prix. Yes, there is more than one Grand Prix in Spanish territory in a year, but this is the one that means most, even to the Catalan lads. Yeah, completely, because it's the one that they all know. Probably of all the tracks in the championship, this is the one that they know best because yep. of the Spanish championship and the amount of testing that gets done and the here one as well. they watched on telly when they were even younger than they are now. Uh, just uh, Can you describe the atmosphere on a Sunday here? Tell you what it's like. It's a bit like a rock concert meets uh, outdoor event. Come say derby match at... High level in football. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just got that complete feel about it. When the sun comes up and when the sun goes down, you either realise you're going to see something spectacular or you just have. But <laughs> also, is it still the case? You stand here in the uh, paddock building and you look over to the back and as the sun comes up, because we have to get in that early because so many people are coming in here and the fans are still there. They still turn up to this one. If they turn up to one... The Spanish fans, this is the one they come to from all over Spain. Yeah, and this is a remote corner compared to the big population centres. Brilliant stuff. Oh, I'm looking forward to it already. I've got excited now a little yeah. bit about the whole weekend. <laughs> a lot to talk with us, I'm sure, going to be about Lorenzo throughout the weekend, but let's not forget, it's Marquez leading the championship and there's lots more action going to be on track. Uh, thanks very much to you guys. So we'll be... Uh, following with you all throughout the weekend. Make sure as well you download our review podcast. That's going to be following the race here in Jerez. And remember, of course, you can watch every session live with us this weekend on BT Sport 2. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.